Hello and welcome to another episode of the Val and the Frog podcast. Um, today we're back after a bit of a break, but because I don't know, we couldn't really record over the festive period because of our schedules and other stuff we had to do on the side. But yeah, it's been what probably nearly a month or so. So I don't know. It's it's very weird to be back in a way, but also very nice. So I don't know, Sashko, how are you? How how is going? Well, great. I'm also glad to be back. In, in terms of my injury update, is has become a common practice. I'm feeling really well. I think in about, let's say, a week and a half, I will be back in the pitch. I can now run without pain. I'm running about a kilometer each day. And I've also done a couple of things on the site, which I won't really mention now, but someday maybe. So, yeah, I think great. I mean, I guess we, uh, in just that like sort of thing, we can mention the fact that you actually like had to go for like physiotherapy and all that stuff. So that's why it got even like longer with the extension of the injury. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the physiotherapy really helped. Actually, uh, I was glad I, mean, I went. Makes sense. I, I was just thinking that I'm pretty sure we did never like mention the fact that that would have happened. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's I don't, let's get straight into today's episode. I guess it's um, sort of I got I've been itching to for us to get back to recording. Um, actually, also um, there should be we're pretty much done with the setup for like the other platforms and stuff. So hopefully from from the start of February we should be starting to release on other platforms and other like shorter content um there's quite a lot of stuff coming and uh, there's a few collabs that we're working on that should be quite fun maybe there will be a few new channels with some other sort of content on them but we'll see when times comes down but just i don't know, stay tuned and we let's we'll see where we'll get with anything but as far as the podcast goes um, today we've lined up a little bit of like um, um, maybe sort of childhood themed episode, um, and if, if for us to start right into it, I know that we've mentioned. Uh, basically, I remember us talking about um, well, whenever we were talking about sport, I remember for sure we mentioned stuff like that and how important sport is and. Uh, discipline from like martial arts or anything like that to be introduced um, to like the childhood of a kid and stuff like that but um, I guess it's like a good way to maybe for us to start from there considering um, it's something we sort of mentioned before Uh, but just on that now that I'm thinking about it what sort of age do you think is the right to introduce something like this because like for me personally um i started training in sports uh when i was what's ju- just before i turned six years old i think but obviously it's like you're not gonna be getting all of the benefits from that sort of thing when you're six you're not quite developed i think to the point but that ne- doesn't necessarily mean it's like a bad thing so um maybe the question for like a better wording of it will be what age maybe do you think is too early for that sort of introduction and what age is like kind of 
by that point, you already want to have done it. So where is like the cutoff points for maybe too early and too late? Yeah, well, definitely the the age after which is going to be pretty hard. I think it's 10 years old. I think you have to do something before you're 10 years old. It's about 10, you kind of get, you, you will maybe get too bored after and think that the discipline which sports instills and the competitions and everything, it will be best to happen before the age of 10. But of course, depending on the character of the individual, if you start later, it might have the same impact or even better, but it is pretty much up to the individual. But I think so, in general, you have to do it before 10 years old. I personally started that, let me see, I think I was... I was nine, yeah, I was nine years old. So, pretty much just before. And as of an earlier boundary i don't think it really is i mean i know people who start who basically lived in the gym because their parent is the coach at the set sport or whatever uh i've seen definitely seen nowadays especially more and more children start different sports at the age of four and so on so i don't really think it i don't really know it if it matters that much i mean uh you have to consider if you spend a lot of time in the set sports club sports setting sports gym how are the coaches interact with the kids are they good because it will be sort of at the substitute for the kindergarten in a lot of time in a lot of the times so you have to consider that so if you're not really sure how the set coach interacts with the children if they spend enough time with them then it's probably good to wait to at least the it started going to school let's say age seven six or whatever age it started going to school nowadays and the sports can be introduced after the school so i don't really think it has an earlier boundary it's more dependent on the coaches and the sports setting but i think definitely it is best to start before the age of 10 after that you're you're kind of too old and you may have you may have other priorities, or at least you will feel like it's not really necessary to do sports. I mean, yeah, I got you, but well, I think also in order to like kind of specify, like it's not like um, I hear you on the um, ten as like sort of it kind of gets a bit hard to get into it after. It's not like necessarily just as we're talking like for the sport, because um, if you're like trying to master a certain sport or maybe try to compete in it or stuff like that. Um, it's not too old for that sort of thing because, of course, like to the age of 10 or something like that wouldn't necessarily be like the part where you're uh, mastering your skill or anything like that. You're like barely able to do any sort of coordination tasks at that point. But um, yeah, just in order to instill that like early developmental uh sort of way of just you miss maybe the uh, optimal effect is what i'm trying to say of the thing so for sure that but also i guess um i'm pretty sure most as far as i'm aware for like all the education systems i know you will have pe in first class anyway so it may like I guess the government has have like thought that something like seven or six isn't like um, too early. 
but and and it isn't. I uh, I've heard of like some people putting like three and four year olds into stuff like this, which maybe I think is a little early. I would say uh, to me at least. I don't know if I'm biased because of myself, but maybe like five would be the earliest I would see as sort of okay. And again, you wouldn't really be practicing the sport that much more of a, like if you get that sort of coach where you were talking about someone who knows how to interact with the kids, it's, it's more sort of like a an um, animator sort of guy who will do some things with them while also sort of prepping them. But yeah, I don't know. It is pretty, but the thing is, actually, I wanted to ask you before I move on. So you said you started at nine and that was like, that was your Taekwondo stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very different for me and how like I did it. Cause like I was training tennis basically was from like the four, six years old till around like seventh or eighth grade. Um, it was it was like a I don't know it was good it was good times and it's like I I was just thinking like during it to be fair it still was like it was quite different with depending on like the character of the kids because I remember like the people that I had around me and they were in my group and stuff there was still like I don't know there's a lot of a like a gap in let's say the amount of discipline instilled in different children, even like on the um, doing like same thing from being on the same um, sports team and everything like that. But do you think that that maybe is like the maybe personal factor? Um, is that where like the role of the parent may have sort of um, created that difference? Or is it more of a, let's say, a good enough coach would be able to do it with any kid? Well, a bit of both. As we discussed earlier, each person has his own method through which you can connect to him and motivate him and make him perform better. Uh, I think the parents also play a, a role because you have to be kind of disciplined to to be able to, of course, develop your discipline further. I mean, the parents definitely do play a role. Children who are allowed more, I think, will be less disciplined, so to say. But there's definitely also the, the personal level, of course. But I think through enough physical punishment and through enough physical punishment and spending enough time, Definitely everyone can be disciplined enough. And also, if you're in a team setting, if you have kind of instilled the required sports discipline in some of the leaders of the team, then the others will follow them just because they are the alphas in the team. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe that was sort of like different in a sense a little bit, considering we were... Well, of course, there's doubles, but it's mainly like a solo sport tennis. And as much as we are like in the same club, whenever you're like on tournaments and stuff, it's not like you are actually um, dependent in any way 
on the other people around you. Maybe for support and stuff, sure, but like I just you understand that it's like it's a bit different of an environment, maybe than like a for a team. Considering I remember like I have there's been multiple times where at like tournaments I have had to play against like club mates of mine. So yeah, um, it's a bit different, I guess. But okay. Um, and so now that we've like mentioned parents and stuff, um, I mean, okay, we say that they have a role, and I think that would be something that everyone can agree on. It's pretty obvious, but um, how do you think, considering, okay, let's say we're sending our child out to like a sports club or something at the age of like five or six, and then we would want for them to have that like base of discipline ready in order for that to be molded further once there so i don't know what would be maybe our way of actually instilling that when it comes to the fact that we are working with like a two three four year old you mean you're asking if I'm the coach, how do I discipline the No, no, no I'm just saying more like, because you said right now, the parents will definitely be yes. like a big part of it. And uh, like the parents will be there before the coaches, right? And they'll be the ones yeah. who sort of are putting like the initial steps into the whole thing. But they're also putting these steps at like a incredibly fragile age, isn't it? It's like... A, I don't know. I, me personally, I haven't. I don't have any experience with working like two-year-olds, but I assume it's quite hard to teach them anything. So I don't know. How do we? How do we see that? Like, do you have any? I don't know. Do you have any personal experience and stuff you know, or if not in at all, like why? How do you think something like that might be achieved? Like to bringing that first level of training and discipline such a young kid yeah well i have a sort of an indirect personal experience because my father has told me how i was as a kid and what he basically did so when i was around him when i cried or whatever that meant that i wanted something let's say play go outside or something whatever he didn't really give it to me unless it was really necessary so he just kind of told me to effectively just Hey, buddy, just stop crying. You won't get what you want just because you're, just because you're a crybaby. And so that's how I learned to kind of not really cry around my father because I understood that I wouldn't get whatever I wanted at the moment. But my mother was more, was letting me, was letting me do more. Wasn't really enforcing any strict boundaries. So I cried till when I was with my mother and I got whatever I wanted. But with my father, it didn't work. So I would suggest that the parents simply should be strict with their kid. And when something shouldn't happen, let's say the kid shouldn't eat too much or shouldn't or or should eat whatever whatever the problem must be, they must be willingly willing. They must be willing to force this on the kid, whatever it might be, and should not back down because the kid is crying or just want something it isn't behaving yeah i mean i think like what you mentioned is like a very common phenomenon i'm pretty sure that would be the way that like every sort of two parent 
family would work where one of the parents would be the more lenient one and kids tend to recognize that very well like um i've heard that like from my parents and stuff when it comes to uh, uh friends theirs and stuff like that or anything of the sort where they'll be like oh like the kid knows um like it always acts up or like tries and stuff stuff like that when it's it which is like with their like mom or dad or whatever and but they know that that sort of stuff doesn't run with the other parent so they've learned that they don't really need to do that but if like if that's like the normal thing and it's such a common phenomenon then um are we sure is like a bad thing so do you think that if both parents have that same attitude towards the kid and there is no such thing as the lenient one or the one where things are a bit freer the you know um would that be like uh, the best option or because like there is i guess is, is a reason for the fact that that's such like a prominent thing that exists you know i think it exists m- mainly because of male and female nature as a whole i think it's kind of embedded in females to not be that strict to be more nurturing more caring and fathers to be stricter because they have to raise the future warrior and i think if we look at it historically when the the father is say a big soldier a big warrior a king of some kingdom he basically if he is very strict with his child the child becomes a better warrior than if the mother is the one who is raising raising the said kid i think this can uh i think i'm not sure neron i think uh a roman emperor who i think i think he was the one who was effectively raised by his mom and he turned out to be effectively a, a big woman in a sense i think that 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 was his name so yeah i think it will be better if both parents are stricter and i think the main difference is just because of the nature of Mm. of men and women yeah i mean although like i think that's like one sort of um, one of the type of scenarios where you get that like more hands-on more involved father but um it also there is very much the other cases where you would have the father being the one who is Sort of like, oh, just, yeah, yeah, like, you can get this, you can get that, you can get whatever, and stuff like that. But um, normally, at least, like, from what I've seen, that would come more... Because, you know, there's very much a... At least in a general sense, most of the time, like, the mom is, like, very involved. While for the father, there's, like, a very much, like, a big difference of the amount of involvement they have into the raising. And there will be like your sort of authoritarian father type where you mentioned, who will be um, just worrying more about like disciplining and raising the child. And so uh, they'll have that strictness sort of, but there'll also be these dads who maybe are not around that much. Maybe they're working something like long hours or something which is like, um, involves a lot of traveling or anything like this, and they will be around the kid a lot less. And at least from what I've seen, that sort of dad normally wants around the kid, 
um, tends to let the kid do kind of whatever it wants, and it seems to be a lot um, less stricter with it than the mom in that sort of situation, which might be as like a compensation for the less time that it gives the child, you know, something like that. You're you're telling me that the fathers who are away a lot of the times are actually less stricter than the moms. Is that what you said? I mean, basically, like at least like I'm talking about um, families of seen and stuff like that. Uh, there's definitely that type of father who will be um, like he will be doing stuff like it's normally it's like um, oh daddy can we do some and then oh, no I can't I'm busy and like they'll be around a lot less so like there wouldn't be that much in there be not not much involvement on their part in the like disciplining of the child you know so I guess you can also depending but you can that can be like more of a lead by an by example sort of dad so in that in that sort of family environment considering the father is not around to interact with the child directly, uh, most of the disciplining and stuff would come from the mom. And then whenever, like in those like rarer situations where the dad is with the kid or something, um, they tend to be more like taking it, like let's say, oh, let's go go buy you stuff and let's like give you money. And like they're trying to sort of compensate for them not being around with that sort of, oh, I'm the good parent, or not good as in like good or bad, but more like, a, oh, I'm like the nice one who buys you stuff and lets you do all the fun things. And, oh, you can have cake, but don't tell your mommy, you know, that sort of. Yeah, 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 I see you. So I think what's the best practice? First of all, before raising your child, you kind of have to raise your woman and tell, us, tell her to not be the mother who doesn't enforce any boundaries and second of all if you're not really around and you you have consulted with the mother what to do then when you're around i think you should be more impactful with let's say certain stories which you imprint on the child for his life basically and you should also do some activities with him so not really buying himself toys but more like just take him to disneyland once a month or whatever your appearance rate is. So I think you should be able to provide experience and moments together rather than just buying stuff and using cash to to show that you're the cooler parent. I think that is more beneficial. Certainly my father father, uh, used this tactic. So he wasn't really that involved as my mother, he worked really hard and long hours from night to morning. He didn't really pick me up from school a lot. So that's why. And when you're not around, each moment with your father, when the father is not around, is kind of a big thing, you know, because it's rare and everything rare is more valuable. So, and what my father used to do, he used to play with me and my dinosaurs. He used to take me on really long walks in the forest and used to explain me things about trees, nature, life, and whatever. And so basically these moments have stayed with me. He didn't really buy me any toys or whatever. I don't know if we had the money or not. But the moments together are what the father should aim for and not just buying buying stuff. So he should provide memories and activities and do activities rather than buy toys. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure... There is no really justification for like the credit card parenting sort of thing, which 
at least when it's only one parent doing it, it's sort of redeemable considering like the um you know the other parent is there to sort of take over the parenting but there is some cases like more like rich families and stuff where um both parents wouldn't be particularly involved and like the child might be like raised by babysitters or like well i guess if the grand if the grandparents it's probably better than if it's babysitters. Um, not that like a babysitter like can't be good, but I don't like necessarily picture any babysitters being like that sort of interested, if you may, um, yeah, yeah. to be actually raising the child and thinking about like its future and stuff like that. They're more of a like I'm here to make sure nothing basically bad happens and that the kids is fed and everything. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is for sure. I they're don't not think... raising the kid, they're maintaining the kid. Basically, basically. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they're like, you can turn up particularly well as a human being if you haven't had your like, or, well, that's not true, but it'll be a lot harder and you definitely struggle with some things um, if like your parents were doing that whole credit card sort of raising, and especially if it was both of them at the same time. Yes, of course. But okay, so I get okay. We've gotten to the um, sort of. So if we do, if we were to go like back to the question where I actually raised in the first place, I was talking about. Uh, preparing the kid for maybe that like sort of sports and stuff phase, I guess. Uh, and maybe we sort of settled on the idea that um, just by being around the kid and showing it um, as much as possible and in this way, like teaching it via experience and also um, making sure to not overspoil your child would be sort of like a good way to do something like that. Um, and okay, so now we are, I guess, maybe at that sort of age where um, you are now putting it into sport. But okay, actually, if we, if we just stop there for a second, um, what do you think is the right approach when it comes to maybe like choosing the sport uh, in like where like to send your kid considering the child might sort of have a preference at that age but it wouldn't be particularly like a logical one nor would the child be that educated on first the options second like the benefits and like pros and cons and all that sort of thing of the options and I know you did you've said that like you basically doing taekwondo was just because that was available in like close proximity to where you were living um so what do you think is like the right strategy when it comes to choosing the sport in the beginning well you should of course yeah the kids don't really know the options i think when i was when i started taekwondo the only sport I effectively knew was football because we played at school. I didn't really know what taekwondo was. Not didn't know how to write it even, how to spell it. 
but it turned out to be a great experience. So I don't think the kit really knows that much about what sports are there. So you should consider first any reviews basically about the nature of the coach. How is he as a person? How he deals with the kids? And second, you should make sure that the kid is able to experience some sort of competition. So he shouldn't really be just there to stay healthy. He should actually aim to compete and become better because that will drive him to become the best in his sport. Uh, there should be in some sort of an internal competition. You know, in Taekwondo, it's a fighting sport, so we fought each other. That was That's effectively the most primitive competition which exists in the history of humanity, so it's a good thing. If it's uh, whatever the sport is, you should be able to compete internally in the club, and also you should make sure that this club, sports club, is preparing your kit to participate in sports competition, and the kit should aim in this sports club to become better and better at set competitions. He shouldn't just settle for the participation award if that even exists yeah, in the sense well, Okay, let me let me just stop it right there because I don't think we're like the problem I'm having with that is that is sort of possible in every, if not most sports. Um and like the coaching selection and stuff like this, I guess would come into play maybe when you're choosing uh well there's two options. Either you've decided to send your kid into a specific sport and now you're choosing, let's say, which like academy or club or whatever. Um, or the other option would be maybe you, we're doing the like whole proximity thing and there's like four or five clubs around you and you just, that are in like all, all in different sports. And then depending on what sort of things they offer, choose the sport by that. But, okay, that aside, considering that would be something that I would say comes in sort of after, um, Okay, are you saying that we're choosing the... Um, I guess if you, if we're saying that we're choosing the sport um, just on what's available close to us, that's like a, like a pre-answered question in a sense. But then let's say um, the location and stuff isn't like a problem. And so then the, choosing the coaches and stuff like that would come after. Just as far as like what sport we're doing... Um, do you think like is there like good and bad options? Is there do you think maybe um good and bad options depending on some sort of trait of like the kid or like how are we gonna go about choosing the sport or it or is it end of the day sport and all in all in all of them there could be like a good experience and in all of them there could be a bad experience so the actual sport maybe doesn't matter that much in general yeah the actual sport doesn't really matter that much uh and two things if my kid was kind of more was fighting in school or whatever i would sign him up for a fighting sport let's say taekwondo boxing whatever kickboxing in order to get his ass kicked and realize that Fighting isn't really the best option out there. And also, I think another thing which is kind of given, but let's say it, uh, I think that the sport must be physically physically demanding. You should choose, or at least the trainings, you know. If 
your kid should use as much energy as possible. He should train hard, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. The sport should have some physical... Should should be physical enough. Should, the kids should get tired in order to for everything to work properly. Yeah, basically, like, we're not saying that we know chess is good, but probably not the best yeah. option for your club, yeah. Um, okay, sure. The fighting thing, like, I, I really like that you pointed that out, because, like, I was going to even say it if you didn't go into that sort of direction. It's like, especially, it's not because, like, that kid is, like, showing the, um, maybe, like, sort of violence trend and stuff like that. It's exactly about, like, um educating that child on what fighting is and like making i don't know i think with um something like fighting sports you you have like a lot of respect that you learn for your opponents and stuff and um considering it's like in a sense um you turn your body into a weapon i mean depend there's degrees to that and everything but because you know that you stand, you start to uh, be first a lot more informed on it, but also just always kind of thinking more and like being more aware of what fighting is mm-hmm. and the consequences of fighting and the right and wrong places of doing it and stuff like that. So that's definitely like a good thing to point out. Um, and to be fair, I I do agree with you where there may not be that much of a difference when it comes to the selection of the sport, considering like even something as major as um, team competition versus like a solo competition isn't necessarily a factor in that choice, considering in those sort of early ages, in all of the sports, you'll just be doing some random things with all of the kids. and. You know, it's more of like a play while also training than like a solid, as I mentioned before, now we're actually properly training and we're aiming for progress rather than anything else. Um, But then, okay, so now we choose that. We are now at the age where like the kids are going to school and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I decided to start with sport because I think we like we would both agree on the fact that like sport is like, um, and we probably have mentioned it whenever we were talking about it. It's more of like a mandatory, in a sense, um, for a good child development sort of thing. But then, naturally, kids will then start showing interest more and more. They'll start showing potential in different sort of fields, and so now. Uh, I want just to get maybe a bit more into that exactly. So on one side, stuff like um, just interest and stuff. So on maybe like the hobby sort of side, and also potential is in more of like the full on like developmental side of it, uh, and how to maybe maneuver that like as the child to an extent, but probably also mainly maybe as as the parent and just. In in general, I guess. Um, and maybe just because we started this sort of way and we were talking about the traits and stuff. Um, let me ask you about maybe interests first, just because that will like, maybe show up a little bit earlier. 
Um, would you say there's like, how, how can I put it? Um, healthy and unhealthy interests and hobbies in a sense where, or maybe we can call them useful or useless. I think, I think you know what I'm sort of getting at. Um, is there like any distinction that we can make like that? Or is that maybe also something that just comes in quite a bit later and maybe at like the age of like up to like 10 or 12 or something wouldn't be that much the case? Well, the hobbies up to, let's say, 10, 12, whatever we're discussing, I mean, there are definitely useful hobbies in terms of useful at the moment. So if, let's say, your ch your child's hobby is doing math, really advanced math, he's like a math prodigy, then his hobby of doing math will definitely be useful for his earlier education up to that point, whether as if his hobby is, let's say, spitting as far as possible, that probably won't be as useful at the moment. So that in terms of being useful in the in the correct surrounding, and the surrounding is for the most part the same for every kid. You know, you go to school, you have parents, you go home. So basically, the the baseline is the same. There definitely are more useful hobbies than other. But if your child's hobby is to spit as far as possible, you should. You should not neglect the other thing, but you should definitely make sure that he practices it for a certain amount of time, not too much, of course, uh, because you do not know how he may use it further down his life. Uh, further down his life, you know, he definitely may find some purpose. For example, we a little bit of a tangent here. In mathematics, a lot of complex math is done and with seemingly no application in real life. And then 30 years later, its application in, is found in the new theory of quantum physics. So your child may definitely f find use in his useless hobby right now. He may definitely find something further. And also he may completely change it. So you should at least encourage your child to become better at his hobby. So you you should encourage your child to be able to spit even further the next day. So you should encourage him to become better at what he's doing. But And you should also provide him with enough time to practice it. So yeah, there, there definitely are more useful hobbies than other for the particular time frame. But you should definitely make sure that your child is at least improving it in his hobby, whatever it is. Okay, I, I mean, I, I can get behind that. It's like, um, I mean, I guess like the example you gave might have been a bit like more um, like further away from um, basically on the furthest scale of uselessness to an extent because I don't know how much you can do in the whole thing, but um, I can understand that because I don't know if, uh, if it's going to be because there's the option, I guess, of doing something like um discouraging your child um for, um into going into something like you for you yourself would deem as something less useful or um more like of a waste of time and then try to push them into something which is on the exact like is on the contrary but i don't know i don't think that probably that you can like sort of propose it 
but I don't think it would be a good idea to kind of shove your opinion and ideas on them too strongly and especially in that sort of age um and it might be i don't know if you would agree on that and to be fair there's no like way to be certain but um maybe just letting your kids sort of go into whatever they're like whatever is pulling them um you can sort of let them explore it because that might be a better way of them finding themselves and finding whatever like they might sort of have a not just interest for but also um just talent in then something that like trying to more artificially look for said talent considering there's so many different fields that exist and even though like technically you can find whatever you're like have the biggest talent in by trying maybe every single thing until that talent comes out but obviously as more on a practical sense kind of with time and everything like that that ne wouldn't necessarily be possible unless you get incredibly lucky um and i guess it's more of a as much as something like that is like a guess uh, on a scale of life um letting the child do it through natural interests might be more of a what we can put i guess as like an educated guess if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the thing with talent is it's really difficult to find if you're talented or not. Let, let me give you an example. Naturally, I am very flexible. I know this because I learned that my father was really flexible, so it's in the genetics and everyone is basically kind of envious of me in the Taekwondo realms that I'm really flexible. I can do all, all the splits, negative degrees, whatever. I'm the best. But in order to find out this was true, I had to practice, so stretching 20 minutes before each session, then after each session, about 20 minutes afterwards. And I had to do this for, I don't know, at least a year. So that's, I don't know if we say training four times a week or even more when there are camps and competitions for a year in order to be able to be as flexible as I became. So. If you have a talent, you should definitely have to put a lot of effort in it for it basically to kind of show already start to show up. So you cannot really explore everything. So you should basically encourage your child to do different things in, let's say, the following manner. You remember the spitting example I was saying earlier? So what you should kind of do, for example, as a parent is say to your child, Okay, buddy, let's try now jumping and then spitting in the air, and that will increase the distance of the spit. And in this way, you will kind of also push your child to develop his jumping skills and see if he's good at long jumping and whatever. So you should definitely try to mix up the things and that way explore a lot of different areas of life because if you just sign up your kid for all the science clubs and all the sports 
he will not have the necessary time to see if he even has a talent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's always like, it's always been like a little thought that pops in every now and again for me. It's like, in most fields, probably the best person, like the person who would, let's say, just because we're talking mainly sports, like the person who would break all the sport, all the records in that sport, probably does exist. They just never try to practice that sport. And it's like a, such a like a weird idea. I don't know. I, I think it's maybe more of a, like just maybe more like it was spawned from like me thinking, oh, um, what am, what is my like best thing? Where should I head and stuff like that? And I'll be like, maybe I'm incredible at, I don't know, uh water polo i don't know but i have never played it so i would never know and that's like it's like a very wild idea considering with most skills as you've mentioned there is not really any way of knowing that you have talent for them unless you actually put quite a bit of work into them to begin with so yeah i don't know it's like a very i don't know it's like you had like the genetics thing, which is where you said, okay, you can based on something like this. And I assume if you look into genes and stuff uh, with DNA tests and stuff like that, you would be able to, as far as like maybe more physical things. And also I'm pretty sure there's also stuff like maybe intelligence and stuff like that you can sort of yeah, see. Yeah. And if your father is an NBA player, if you practice basketball from a young age, there is a very good chance that you will grow tall enough so that you will also play in the NBA. Let's say with Kobe, how it happened with Kobe Bryant. So, yeah, there definitely that, I think, also. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, like, uh, common thing as well. Like, most of the sports sports people have their children training that same sport that doesn't necessarily mean that the child will be good but you do see it very often yeah um, i mean if you take a random kit for your basketball team and you know nothing about them you would probably take the kobe bryant kit before the random kit true true and that like on a logical sense i, I understand how it works although most of the times it's just because their parent is like big and famous and you know it's gonna be like well you gotta get my kid but uh, we're not gonna get into that sort of tangent but okay so we were now in the we were talking about the whole interest stuff and now i guess we're sort of in in school and the second thing i said we're gonna we can do sort of is like again talent based but school gives you a whole new set of challenges in a way uh and now you'll be especially because in pretty much all the education systems in those like primary middle school sort of times um you wouldn't have had um to choose any subjects or concentrate on less like a lower amount of subjects or anything like that so you'll be doing quite a lot of different things and it's sort of like a a stressful period as far as like orientation goes because that's sort of um in most countries nowadays 
um, who will be portrayed as like your main option. No one necessarily adv advocates for, oh, don't worry about school. You might be very bad at it, but you can do this or that. Um, sort of like the, the promoted path is sort of like, okay, go to school, see what subjects you're good at at school, work on them, go to uni to do something that involves that, and then find a job that is based on that, and you're good. And that's like the basically what is promoted nowadays, especially like like Western sort of civilization where I can talk about it. But, um, I mean, as I just said even throughout that that's not necessarily the case for most kids like there's a lot of people who would not be good at school and there's also the difference in someone who is great at one specific subject or um, and like bad at everything else or like someone who will be pretty good at all of them but like wouldn't excel necessarily in any of them and then so i guess how are we maybe gonna work with um i mean okay let's start maybe just take one and sort of isolate it and look in further into it considering it's like the outlier sort of in the scenario um what do you think is like a good way to, um, to spend your school years if you've now at this point found out that you're just not good at school well, you should definitely develop some sort of a some sort of an education. You should definitely at least become, let's say, smarter or more knowledgeable than the average man. You should kind of be able to have basic knowledge in whatever we every subject like history, geography, math to basically be able to survive and outperform everyone. That should be kind of your motivation. And then outside of that, just focus on. Focus on your interest at the moment. Let's say you're a good football player. Focus on playing football, but you should you should never really completely abandon school. You should you shouldn't really drop out. At least in the high school level, you should be able to complete your high school without dropping out. Because first of all, let's face it, high school isn't. I mean, the material isn't that hard. It is actually extremely. The level of education actually gets lower and lower. So. It's not. It is objectively not that hard to finish it, and you should pick up the required knowledge in order to be able to survive later in, later in life. So it it puts a, a necessarily, at least some sort of a base in what you do, and also if you're not really good at school, you should also finish it because in life you don't really always do whatever you want to do, and in the sad situation you don't want. To go to school, but should, you you should still put up the effort and complete it, and that will prepare you for later when you don't have to do things which you don't want to do. Even in sports, let's say you are doing taekwondo and you have to run, and you're like, well, why should I run? I'm not training for athletics, and you hate running, but then you will still do the running because it's good for you. And so I think you should put up and at least finish. At least the bare minimum is that you should finish your high school and become more knowledgeable than the average man. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I think that's like a like high school level is like because oh that is always like um sort of 
at least like a safety net that you can fall back on if you maybe are looking for a job or anything like that. It's like a very good base to have. And it's, uh, I would say, quite achievable. Um, like you don't need to like go into university education or anything like that. Um, but in, uh, the one thing that you mentioned where you said, okay, if you're like good at like a sport and stuff, you can concentrate and stuff like this. And I would like, that's sort of like a blessing in disguise, I would say, considering school is what, like pretty much most of your life for about 12, 13 years. Um, and if you have like a thing that you know you're good at and you have concentrated on that, that's a lot of time to practice because at that sort of age, outside of going to school for most children, you wouldn't really have anything else to do. So yeah, exactly. You just waste your time playing video games. So just go in the gym. <laughs> I mean, maybe not gym, like going in the actual gym, I would not advise for children. Yeah, um, I meant the sports. Yeah, sports gym. I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Just throwing it like that out on there. But yeah, because and also to be fair, if you, as I said, like the two types of like good at school sort of people, like the more one dimensional and the more like well rounded, I think as well, if you're like on the one dimensional sort of path, it's also quite good because you have a lot of time to concentrate on that subject. But um, I think, I, I don't know, that's like, then it's more, it's easier, I think, in a way to at least know what's going on. And there's like more security when it comes to it. Because, um, you know, okay, I'm good in this subject. Or, okay, I'm not good at school, but I'm good at this thing. So let's do, that's that's the thing I'm good at. That's the thing that I've, on, the only thing basically I've found out to be good at. So let's do it. While like the other two where it's like someone who's bad at school, but also hasn't yet really showed like a talent in any other field, as well as those, oh, I'm pretty good at school in like every subject, but like there's nothing like, there's not like one which stands out. I think that's like the more annoying position to be in. It's like, it's not like it's necessarily a bad position, it's basic considering on how low level of it, development it is it's a technically the same position as the other people but it just i can like it would feel so much more insecure and so much more like you i, I think you as a person would be a lot more lost as, as far as like feelings go at least because of the fact that you would have that long period of time where you wouldn't have it for um, like developing yourself in that sort of way, but you will have it more as if to for like um, trying to find what you're good at. But that, that, it just sounds like a lot more weird of an experience to have. Well, yeah, if you find yourself, I think, I think. If you're, let's say, good at each subject, subject as you said, you would kind of start realizing that before, let's say, you finish your high school degree. So you should at least try to go deeper in some areas to see if you're actually good at it or just good enough for the high school level. So I think you should do that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did like that's sort of more like um, 
my high school experience, I guess. But um, I don't know. I never, I did and I didn't go deeper into stuff because it's more of a, like I've always been sort of um, motivated, I guess, by my interest at the moment. So a lot of what happened was, okay, this subject seems interesting right now. Let's get deep into it, spend like a little bit on it. And then something else would seem interesting and I'll then jump ship. Um, and I guess that's how I ended up not really choosing anything at the end. But um, I think it's just because I sort of found out that the reason I never chose one is that none of them were actually sort of the right ones, I guess. Um, considering like I ended up in positions where I'll be um, like doing the like choosing my uni degree or something and I would go by through like a list of like a hundred and hundred and fifty different um like subjects to have as like the main one at uni and like I was like crossing off which ones are not for me and I crossed off every single one on the list. <laughs> It was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like it is funny, but it's not like at the moment, at the time, it was like very like, oh, but I guess because exactly what I was saying, like, especially for us, the way we were like academically risen, I guess you can say that, um, raised, um, there is like, um, it's, I never really thought that there is the option to not go to uni. Like, it always just seems like, a, okay, now I have to go to uni. What are we going to do there? Um, it's just now, a bit later, that I'm like, okay, maybe, like, uni in no way is necessary. It, it might be good for certain people and not good for others. But I don't know, at, at the point where, like, I was having to make that decision, I didn't really even consider the option of being like, well, let's just try doing something else. But... Like now that I'm seeing interacting with it and um, have had a bit more time to um, look into my strengths and this personality and everything, I just see that 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 sort of um, style of me interacting with stuff um, is more suited to maybe something of a sort of like where we are doing it, where I can delve deep into certain random things and um have that sort of um behavior of like jumping ship very often and not being able to really concentrate on stuff uh not as like um oh how can i make it work with those other things it's more of a okay that's the sign of we need to find the thing that actually suits it which just might happen to be outside of what was the options at the beginning but anyway yeah. that was a bit of a yeah yeah exactly yeah, so to add to that if you know what you want to do then by all means you need university for it let's say you want to be a lawyer or a doctor and you need a degree uh, then by always go ahead and do it and if not uh then don't really go to uni just i don't know start a business or find a job and 
explore the different options that way because also in some countries the university is quite expensive and you, and you might get into debt so for example let me give you what happened to me so when i was when i was i had to go to university when i was the right age finished high school i wanted to become a physicist so i went to university i'm now in university but also what you have to consider is that i chose a university which doesn't put me into debt it's it's cheap and so when now I change my interests into becoming a footballer, I won't be having to regret, really, really regret that decision because I won't have thousands of dollars. Uh, I won't be in debt of thousands of dollars to some government, which doesn't care about me. So you should also consider that. So if you're not really sure what you what you have to do, either go into some really cheap university and explore things that way, or don't go into university at all because even if you go to the cheap university you will also you will also kind of be tied down to do the things connected to your subject you're studying you won't really have all of your time free i mean it it varies on the subject but yeah that's what i wanted to add yeah oh yeah i was like i was just gonna be like okay maybe i went on a bit too much of a tangent there but like what you're saying is sort of true but like i don't know it's it's also sort of dangerous to try to um, like if you don't necessarily know like if you're not much of a prodigy in anything at the moment going into university as much as it might like be somewhat it might not be like the best thing for you but like you can push through university in the same way you can push through high school so if you don't have any options it's a pretty all right option considering it'll just give you like you'll get a degree and so that will help you quite a lot with like the random job you can get after if it's you a have a choice like... what you say it's the safe choice. It will provide you at least yeah, it, secure it gives minimum you like income. A, um, higher base, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because um, like not being good at anything and just being like, yeah, I'll figure it out and I'll start a business is like it has like um, the upper echelons of that and like the uh, highest percentile sort of yeah, it can lead to some probably can lead to better things than like academy route but also the worst possible outcomes most likely are also going to come from that option so it's most definitely riskier and a lot riskier for sure so you can like always look at uni as also that sort of giving yourself a few more years of basically school so a few yeah. more years of developing yeah so that's why i started with you know, go to uni and do things on the site. For example, even if we look at, uh, let's say, Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who founded Facebook and Bill Gates, they were they were in uni, they were in Harvard, and on the site they were doing the Microsoft and Facebook stuff. And then when the Microsoft and Apple stuff kind of went off, it exploded and it started to provide some income and it was obvious that it is going to be a huge think then they left you did but before that they stayed yeah which 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 makes sense for sure i mean i'm kind of like when you were talking about like the choosing a uni that you don't have to pay for um 
I mean, for like Americans and Canadians and stuff, it's definitely going to be a lot harder because not really, there's not such op- no such option unless you want to like go to Europe or some. And nowadays, like after Brexit in the UK, it's also going to be quite difficult for anyone who's not from here. Um, but because like the um, back in the day, sort of or like home sort of fees with. The way it's it was it's set up in the UK, it's also quite alright. Like um, the scheme for repaying your loans and stuff are, I would say, so well made and so like forgiving as far as terms come that it's it's not like definitely you cannot compare it to something like America where you're just like a hundred and few thousand in debt and then the whole i'm pretty sure like i had seen a statistic like back in the day that um what was it maybe like a quarter of the usa have like uh i guess a net worth or whatever like of under like ten dollars or something just because all of them are in debt so i don't know i mean i guess the country does function, so I people find a way to live with it, but probably not an ideal option. Yeah, um, the, in the US, the average sorry for interrupting, the in the US the average college debt for a bachelor's degree is twenty eight thousand dollars and for a graduate school loan it's seventy one thousand dollars. So yeah, that's like that's like even comparative to the UK, if you're going to the numbers of like 70k, it's quite a jump. Um, but yeah, anyway, as I was gonna stop it, like maybe like I don't know, five ten minutes ago. Let's now get back on track. So um, there was like a few random things that I wanted to throw in um, when it comes to school. One thing which I, we've never really discussed, but is something we can discuss is um, how do we think that something like introducing uniforms in a school um, like affects, I guess, um, the the experience of a child through school? Because like here, it's like a pretty much a very very common practice, and there is some countries where it basically doesn't happen. There's like only a handful of schools that do it. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, you've never been to a school with uniforms. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and well, neither have I. But I don't know. Like they do say, I've personally always found it quite pointless. I know they speak a lot on like, okay, the children will have like will be now dressed the same way. There'll be maybe like less differences. So I guess there'll be less for them to pick like on one another. But although like the kids will like find different things to like it, it Absolutely, never yeah. made sense. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. If if you wear the same clothes the rich kid will get bullied because he has a better phone he, or is fat i mean exactly what you said there there you will be bullied in some way whatever you're wearing so that's that's basically pointless 
And I think, I mean, it's kind of nice to have some sort of a, not really uniform, but some sort of a, some sort of clothes to put in, let's say, when you're going to an international Olympiad and you want to represent your school. But we kind of had it with the Semigat t-shirts. So, I mean, we had t-shirts in which had the symbol of our school. And that was basically it. And we wore them like once a year. So I think if you're going to some sort of a competition where you have to represent your school, you may want to, you know, put up some t-shirts which symbolize your school or whatever. But in terms of everyday use, it's it's kind of it's kind of pointless. I mean, you should just wear what you feel comfortable in. And to be fair, in most schools, it's like just uniforms cost like hundreds, if not like thousands of whatever currency you want to put that in. But and it, I don't know, it's always seemed like more of a scheme for the school to get funding rather than anything else. Yeah. I don't know. It's but I it's it's interesting that you mentioned bullying because that's one thing that I actually sort of forgot that I was gonna ask. Um I have had very weird conversation bullying because um as far as the online culture, the internet and like that whole as when we're talking internet, that would be more like Anglo Saxon sort of world. Um, bullying seems to sort of be something that every single person experienced in some way, or at least, well, if you ask them now, there's not many, I, I, like, you either had someone who did bully someone, but they might have been bullied anyway outside of that, but I, I never have heard anyone say something like, oh yeah, I never got bullied, it was like, it was great and stuff like that. And I don't know if just because like we went to such a like weird sheltered environment of a school that I didn't like would you say there was bullying around like let's say around us and because I don't know, do you think there is, let's say, if you say no, do you think maybe people from, let's say, the UK or the US would then look at that same environment that we were in and they would say there was bullying there that maybe we don't really recognize in that sort of way? Well, I mean, I was bullied a lot from the earlier stages of my life so i kind of gr- grew it pre- over grew it pretty fast and i wasn't really even paying attention so if it happened didn't really notice so i mean there were some points in which there was bullying as i look back onto it i mean not particularly towards me i don't really i don't really get it anymore so but towards some particular people probably there was so there was a little bit of bullying, but as far as Americans, I mean, I have cousins there, uh, and what I what I know through them and what I've seen in some movies, I would say that in American schools there is more bullying than there was with us, especially in the high schools. So I think we weren't really that bullied. In terms of the UK audience, I don't know what happens in their schools. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like, I guess that would be the people that I have like personally spoken to and stuff. And I, I've had like very interesting conversations on it. It's because I never understood quite how their bullying worked, especially in something like high school and stuff like that. Because basically most of the times what happens is there is a group or a person who would be, um, I don't know, calling names or like physically doing some stuff to a person. And that, you know, the bully and whoever's bullied. But that sounds like a very weird thing, first of all, to happen to like 16, 17 year olds. And also, whenever I ask them, well, how come no one did anything about it? First of all, they would say, okay, the the teachers don't care, which I understand. Like, that's fine. Like, m- most teachers don't really care about whatever's happening at school. so. That's fine. The, nor nor does the principal. Again, sure. And if you're like maybe like I can see it in a way where if you're that like maybe like the new kid or you're just like a, a an outsider or something, don't really have any friends, and so there's no one to back you. The only thing that like I guess either you need someone random as a, like a teacher or something to care. And do something about it, or you have like your parents turn up and try to do something, which are a bit more of like a stretch sort of a scenario. But for like the average child, like how come that's what I was asking them, like, how come your friends don't do something about it? Because in their in the way we I get went through high school and like just how we are, someone like and we're not talking about like because we we would have had like a lot of like jokey stuff. They would be like you you can like pull pranks on each other and you'll be like sort of mean to each other, but it's more like in a it's like a broy sort of being mean for the sake of being mean, not actually like being mean with malice. Um, but if if someone was actually like I don't know like the let's was like a stereotypical more of a um, beating someone up and like stealing their lunch money or something, you know what I'm saying? Um, Like, we would have, like, the person who would have done something like this would be, like, ostracized. Like, basically, everyone will sort of jump on them. It's not like a jump, like, necessarily, like, we, like, that group would beat them up, but it's just, like, they will be the person who will be, like, the odd one out. They will be the person who the community is looking down on, not the person who is bullied. And like they said, that's just not a thing. And like all the people will be like scared to do something or say anything, or they just know that if they do something, they'll be also like people who get bullied. And right there, that they like that difference and that economy between these two versions of um dealing with or understanding the dealing of that i've never understood so i don't know how do you how do you see it like why does those two things exist and i don't know can you maybe try to explain for me because i've still haven't really had the like i've thought about it quite a bit and i can't really understand how their option develops 
Now, it's strange to me that your friends don't stick up for you. I mean, I would definitely stick up for my friends. I also advise everyone to be able to deal with bullying himself, of course. But if my friend got bullied and got beaten up and his lunch money got stealed, I would definitely at the moment stick up to my friend, of course. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, probably. I don't know, it may have something to do with the culture of the Brits that whenever there is some ranking order established they are kind of too afraid to break it i don't know that they were a monarchy for a lot they are a monarchy from a very long time so maybe that's something to do with it i cannot particularly speak and haven't been inserted in that culture but yeah it's definitely strange to me that you do not stick up to your friends i can't really can't really explain it either unless i mean the basic explanations are that is that they're all cowards and that they're too afraid to do anything. But if that hap- happens too often, then that's probably a problem in the culture itself and how the the kids are raised. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, my that's what that's what falls to my mind. I mean, I have like a okay, I have like a one further question on it, which might help, and then I have. I've, I've had one theory that I've sort of thought of. Um, I mean, the question is like, well, even if it's not like friends, like, because, okay, you might only have like one or two good friends and a small group of people is not necessarily going to stop bullying. It's like, it's not really, like, if you're standing up to a bully, there's not really like a specific right way to stop the bullying. There's not like a formula for it. So there's no way of, like make being sure that you'll be successful or anything but like let's say it was like in our class or something and then we had that one bully who would like be doing something like like even the people who would not be like good friends with that person or those people who are getting bullied they're gonna be like oh what what are you doing like what what you like you like no one would like no one outside of that one bullying person will be approving of whatever the bully is doing and so like like you know what i'm saying it's like everyone will be negatively um like all their feelings will be negative towards that person and uh they would treat that person in a bad like that person if he or her was trying to bully will be then sort of isolated socially and no one would like them no one would talk to them because they're like because everyone understood what they were doing and so i don't know because that's at least what what to me i feel would have happened in like our environment and so i don't understand how that doesn't necessarily happen in like other environments well, maybe we've just kind of matured earlier, I don't know, because bullying effectively happens because there is, you know, competition between the individuals and you have to become, be better than them and whatever. And there are two ways. You either, let's say, become a the national champion in whatever sport and walk proudly and say, I'm the national champion, you, you ain't, you're, you're less than me. Or the other way, you just try to put the other kids down. 
and that's bullying. You just state to them that they're less than you and you do the necessary actions to show that. So if the problem hasn't been settled and that happens in the high schools in the UK, that means that simply the children there aren't mature enough to realize what is bullying, why it happens, and haven't had the balls to stop it if it happens to them. I mean, okay, so let me propose you that theory because as far like as far as I'm aware, that's the only thing that makes sense to me as like the possible thing to cause such thing, which I can like factually speak on because like something like culture, I don't know statistically how to incorporate in something like this. like we don't know. it will be more of a guess. So the one thing which I think might be the cause would be the fact that, okay, how we did it was we we had our classes, right? And so there would be a group of, let's say, 25 to 30 or 20 to 35, if you're going very broad, uh, children who would be together for like five, six, seven, eight years. And they do every single thing together for what is it like six, seven hours a day, nine days, a, nine months a year, five days a week for seven years. So it's like no matter how close you are with different people within your class and stuff, you've literally developed and grown up together, and everyone knows everyone to an extent, and everyone has a, some sort of relationship developed with everyone to an extent. And so it's like a, more of a developed community. While here, what you would have is from the beginning, children would be in random classes with random people at random times. And even though they would like have their friend groups that they're part of throughout the day, just just for one day, they might have 200 different people in their class. And the next day, they might see only like 10 out of the 200 they saw yesterday. And so because their education system is structured that way, I guess you don't really develop that sort of like, because you'll be bullied by this random person and then all the people from your own other classes might not even know that that person exists. And then so many different people see you that most of the people don't wouldn't like know that you even exist. And that's like will be completely different to how like the social structure would work um, like for us, you know? And I think maybe that could be an explanation for a difference there. I wasn't aware that the UK system functions in that sort of way. Uh, but I think we discussed it in our How to Run a School episode that our school system, we agree, is better. So I definitely see where you're coming from and if that is how education happens in the UK. So it's basically the US method as far as I understood. Then, yeah, that, that might be also a reason because if you're just meeting this person for five minutes, then these five minutes are the five minutes through which he's bullying you, then yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I don't know, that, that's just like the only thing that has made sense to me considering like, well, we just, 
as like I said, well, we'll be very close and we'll know very well everyone, even the people we are not particularly friends with. What seems to be the case in here for most people is they never really, like they could have been in a class with somebody for five, six years and like they didn't know. You know, that's like sort of those high school movies where you have like the nerdy guy who talks to like the hotter girl and she was like and he says something like oh how can you not know me like i was sitting behind you in maths for five years or something like that yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that's not that's just not possible in our education system it just doesn't happen yeah yeah so i don't know like that's that's the only thing like i, I could come up to why there's such a difference on how like um a bully would be looked at within the social system of set of a school, I guess. Um, okay, so I mean, I don't know. I I feel like there will be a lot of people that would find very like I I I'm pretty sure we would probably be the outliers on this. So we will be the weird ones. But I guess that's I mean, it ours is better anyway. Like I prefer to. I, I don't know. I don't see. I think we probably did discuss it. You're right. Uh, just yeah. the difference of having to change classes or not. But I don't know. It it would be very weird for me to now like go back and have to do it that way around. It's just. Uh, but anyway. Um, okay. So we went on to that sort of thing, and we actually even went a bit further as to watching, um, talking about the uni as a sort of thing to do. Um, but then, okay, if I if I'm to like maybe then um, turn it maybe as of like more of an ending sort of as if like for me to turn it into like a ending sort of segment, um, I had this one interesting question uh, because it's like a thing we had that has been discussed like throughout media and stuff quite a lot nowadays about um, with uh, the promotion of all the. Um, sort of the red pilly um self-improvement and all of that sort of um content that basically took over the last year or so um there has been like a very big stigma on not optimizing your time and we did say stuff like stupid or useless hobbies as a child and then where is the cutoff point? At what point do you think we are transitioning from, oh, it's like, that's, it's a kid, it's interesting, this random thing, try to maybe push it into, like, do it, but also do it moderately, and also maybe learn something while doing it, to, okay, now the, you're wasting your time. Or, like, is that is there such cutoff point? And if there is such a cutoff point, what sort of age are we talking? I would say the age of eighteen, where you become the officially an adult, well, basically where you separate from your family and have to make your own money. And if your hobby is, let's go with the example of spitting, if you're just not you're not if you're not able to monetize your hobby for example you can become a youtuber and do videos how you spit you, you know the 
Uh, I forgot their name exactly, but they're ah, dude perfect. I think they're guys who throw basketball balls from very yeah, far distance. Yeah, all sorts of like sort yeah, of yeah. So to... yeah, if you did if you did that with your boys when you were at high school, just try to hit the basket from two houses away, and you would have thought that was useless, but you were able to monetize this, and now it's I think it earns them a very good amount of money. So if you're not able to monetize your hobby, then I think you should think about giving it up. And yeah. or at least or at least this hobby should be able to provide value in some at least uh at least keep you in a good physical shape, I would say. So if your hobby is jogging, then it's okay if you do it not for like thirteen hours a day, but it keeps you in good physical shape. So as long as it does something good for your money, for your health, for your physical shape, or for your ability to attract females if you're a boy, then I think that that you should keep it to a moderate extent. Okay. I mean, that does make sense. To be fair, like, that would then, especially on, like, the monetizing front, it would sort of basically mean that everything can be a good hobby. Um, it's just whether or not you will be able to um do it so maybe like a better way to look at it is maybe could be like if it's not stopping you for like from progressing in all those departments where let's say now you've went through uni and now you got a job and stuff like that okay i guess your dream of throwing basketballs might be gone but then if Again, you try to develop a channel from it, as you said, during like your off time and stuff. Like it can always be useful as long as you concentrate on trying to make it useful. But then, okay, that that is true. But then, what what about like stuff like something which is like very proficient and everything, but like stuff like watching movies and watching series and reading books and playing video games and all of those like sort of off time activities that as much as they might like you can easily like call them well you're wasting your time because you're just doing something fun basically like and they're not like sports and anything like that so they don't necessarily develop you but they they are something that basically every person does and so does that mean no one should be doing them or um it's okay to do it as long as again you you can always have like a bit of a break from the from the like the important things or should you continue doing them but try to use it in some like how are we going to treat that activities yeah i think they're basically useless if you're not able to monetize them or at least use them to a certain extent Let's say the owner of Ferrari is a really good Call of Duty player and you're able to connect with him through Call of Duty, then maybe it's a good idea to continue playing Call of Duty with him to establish that sort of relationship. But otherwise, it's just basically a waste of time if you're not maintaining some social contact which is beneficial to you in some sort of way. It's just if and you're not able to monetize it and win any money, of course, then I think it's it's a waste of time. 
Okay. I mean, I I wouldn't like. I would be okay with as long as it, like it doesn't take over your life or anything. Like, I don't think you will lose much if you do like before you go to bed. You would watch like a forty-minute episode of the thing you're following, and it's just like a okay, go to bed activity sort of. Like, you can always find a healthy enough way to introduce stuff like this. I think, I guess, well, if you then start not doing anything and just you have like a free day and the whole day goes into just you sitting and like that's obviously when it gets a bit right overdone that's where it gets a bit unhealthy and a waste of time but i wouldn't necessarily discourage anyone from doing it like at all you know uh but then okay so if i put it into perspective for something like us because that's like also one incredibly popular thing like we we watch a lot of sports and we are not necessarily monetizing it anyway or anything so is that like justifiable should we now just find a way to monetize it or should we stop doing it what do you think as we're, if we're talking just us, us specifically i guess if you're playing the set sport I don't think it's that bad to watch it because you will, of course, become better if you watch it the right way. And you will also find a common topic to talk about with not really colleagues, but think guys who also practice the same sport. So you will establish important friendships and relationships through that, or you will at least have the opportunity to. But if you're not really playing the sport... If you're just the fat dude sitting on the couch all, all day and watching American football, then you you're probably wasting your time if you're just sitting there watching it and not doing anything better. So unless you're so if you're not monetizing your watching of the sport, make sure to at least play the sport or use the sport to connect with important people. Or, or otherwise, I think it is a waste of time. I love how the second you introduced fatness into the equation, you turned American. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess also sort of, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Because like, I remember back as a kid, there'll be like, there'll be like snooker on and curling and all that sort of lot. And like, I'll be watching a lot more different random sports. Nowadays, it's pretty much only football. And that is the sport where, like, I would play weekly as well. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I can... way well, I passed your judgment Yay. of time wasted. Not time wasted. I, I'm pretty good at that. I did time wasted for one to us. But that that's a story for another day. We we probably would have to have like a little bit of like a episode of like story time uh of maybe us playing football together or something like that. And yes. we can bring some of our teammates and stuff on. Could be interesting, but we have to think how exactly something like that will be structured and if something like that would I mean, it it would suit some, it would suit this, I guess, but also, like, just as maybe, like, a little bit of a, 
leak maybe of information for anyone who stayed to the end of the episode. There is a possibility of a football sort of content oriented channel to happen because we, I don't know, we've like we've always kind of felt like introducing something like this into this platform would not necessarily fit it perfectly. And so maybe we'll be starting that at some point soon. We'll let you know if it does happen. But, well, I guess we'll have to decide if we are talking about our experience with football and everything. Would that really would that suit more here or there? Maybe both. But that will be a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we've had like a pretty good uh, timing on it. We've been going for about just over an hour and a half, which is a tiny bit, I think, shorter than some of the stuff we were doing mainly before. But it's a pretty good time. I think we went quite well through, like, basically the whole of childhood, starting with the whole discussion at the beginning from, like, basically three, four-year-olds to then a little bit of a touch on university. Um, And for, like, a comeback episode, it feels good to... Sort of ended around here. Um, we are probably gonna try to then also be back with content a lot more regularly now that the festive season is over. Uh, probably going back to like our previous sort of schedule of maybe two or three things uh, per week, although that number might be higher from now, but also just because of the that doesn't mean more podcasts, but with all the other content, it's just it might be more content, but quite a lot more spread out. But yeah, I guess we'll see that. That will be for all for us to inform you in February. Hopefully, maybe on the next podcast or maybe one after that, we'll be able to have some concrete things to tell you. Uh, but as far as this one goes, I think yeah, it was it was kind of a nice one to get back. Some like typical Valent Frog sort of style education, child development, and sports stuff. So I don't know. I personally quite enjoyed it. I think it went quite well. I hope you also find it, found it as interesting as I did. Yeah, good to get my mouth back running. <laughs> and I also hope that anyone who did listen also enjoyed it because i guess that's pretty much most of the point of this whole thing but yeah um thank you very much for listening and uh we hope that we see you for the next one uh and as always this has been val it has been ashko and see you for the next one. one